Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts once again, Acts chapter number 19, Acts chapter number 19, and as you know this year, uh, our theme has been action, action 18, we have been uh, preaching through the book of Acts uh, throughout this year and uh, have not necessarily gone in any order, but more of a theme, uh, more of what I believe the Lord would have us bring from Sunday to Sunday, and so uh, last uh, several weeks, we've been in chapter 20, 21, 22. Now we go back to chapter number 19. And uh, Lord willing, I'll preach from this passage not only this morning, this chapter, uh, but also tonight and then also uh, next Sunday morning. Now next Sunday morning, uh, Lord willing, I am planning on preaching a message with the title, A Sermon from an Evil Spirit. A sermon from an evil spirit, and no, no, uh, brother, brother Farber is not not preaching next week. So uh, no, uh, he's not here this, today. So I can I can mention that. But uh, so that's my message next Sunday morning, and then tonight will Lord willing be back in this passage of scripture. But uh, this morning I want to begin reading in verse number thirteen of Acts chapter number nineteen. I begin reading in verse number thirteen. Obviously, week after week we have been seeing. Uh, the effects of the empowered church of God and what the Holy Spirit of God can do not only with the life of a believer, but through the life of a believer. Friend, don't make, make no mistake about it. In this day we live in, uh, there is no substitute for the New Testament church today. Uh, there is no institution like it. And as a child of God, uh, don't, don't give up what God can do through you and with you for this world, the things of this world, or for a cheap imitation, if you will. We have seen that <clears throat> week after week. So this morning's message brings us to chapter number 19, verse number 13, and we'll read down to verse number 18. Let's read together verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil priest answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. This morning, I want to look at this passage of Scripture. And I want to preach a message that I have given a title, More Than a Name. More Than a Name. Father, I pray this morning that you'll help us as we look into the Word of God. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher, our instructor. And Father, once again, I pray that there's someone here unsaved. They've never put their faith and trust completely on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict their heart this morning. May uh, they realize their need of salvation, and may they uh, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior today. We ask that you uh, help us this morning. May you encourage us uh, by the Word of God and through the message today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an interesting story here uh, that we find in this chapter. And of course, as uh, we know, we find the apostles, we find specifically Paul here uh, as he is uh, traveling from place to place. We have seen a theme. 
Uh, whenever the, 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 the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, a risen Savior, is preached, uh, they find that there's opposition. Uh, the devil does not want anybody to get saved. Uh, if you're here this morning and you're not certain that you're on your way to heaven, you're lost in your sins, you are exactly where the devil himself wants you. He wants you to believe that you're okay. He wants you to believe that you don't need Jesus. He wants you to believe that uh, you can do it on your own. You're exactly where he wants you. And can I just add this morning, there are a lot of people sitting in religious services, and that's exactly the message they'll hear. You're okay. You're, you're, you're good enough. You don't need to change a thing. But friend, without the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are not okay. Uh, we have no hope without him. And this morning, aren't you glad? Uh, those of you that know Him, that you know, uh, that you know, you've trusted the perfect Son of God, and He is enough to make that eternal difference in our life. But we find that, we find the opposition to the gospel. And friend, in this day we live in, there's always going to be opposition to the gospel. But we also find the effect of the gospel. We find people being saved. And friend, in 2018, the whole gospel message still works. People still get saved in this day we live in when the Word of God is preached, the Word of God is taught. We find those things, and such is the case in Acts chapter number 19. Just prior to verse 13, we find verse number 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. We know and we have seen uh, much evidence up to this point of how God has used the Apostle Paul. What a mighty man of God. What a mightily used Christian. And how God empowered him, the Holy Spirit uh, helped him, and how Paul surrendered and yielded to God had, was used in an, in an amazing way. And we find testimony of that in verse number 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Aren't you glad that the gospel, any, any old vessel can be used uh, to preach the gospel, to give the gospel to somebody else? Aren't you glad that uh, God will use any of us to, to tell the greatest news in the world, and that is we have a perfect Savior who willingly gave His life to pay our sin debt and rose victorious from, from the grave? You don't have to be a preacher to tell somebody that. You don't have to pastor a large church to tell somebody that. Anybody can share that message, the greatest message in the world. But sometimes... A, a vessel that is completely yielded to God, and whenever that is the case, there is more that God can do with them. You may be sitting here this morning, and you might can testify of how much God has blessed you. And it's an amazing thing to think that God would use us in any capacity, that God would use us to do anything for Him. But maybe you're sitting here this morning, and you haven't completely yielded yourself to God. Let me challenge you today, it would be an amazing thing if you would completely yield yourself to God. What could God do with you? But we find a man here, Paul, completely yielded to God. We find God's favor, and God wrought special miracles by Paul. Now, word began to spread, and before I believe before Paul 
But coming to a city, coming to a town, the, the, the fame, if you will, of Paul uh, was much publicized. You know that how many, uh, they were distraught because uh, they, they made, you think back several weeks ago where we, we preached about, where they made those, those idols to the, to the false god of Diana and business dropped. Business went down. Uh, but we're gonna, that, that's also in this chapter here and how uh, all of these things begin to change when Paul would come to town. And the special miracles that God wrought, verse number 12, that so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons in the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. God is doing some amazing things in the life of Paul. And those that are in the business of religion, you say that's an interesting way to put it. They're still that way today. They're in the business of religion. See, what you and I have as a child of God, it's not a business of religion. It's not even religion to us. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But those that are in the business of religion, they see things taking place that they have not seen before. And they see special miracles taking place in the life of Paul. And they say, and they look at it and they say, well, what is he doing? We find our text... In verse 13, certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits. Well, they got evil spirits. We'll just use the name of Jesus. That's who Paul's preaching about. But there's a difference. Paul knew Jesus personally. Paul was preaching of a risen Savior and the need to believe on Him. These in the business of religion said, we'll use the name of Jesus, hopefully to get the same result that Paul is getting. You follow me this morning? And it's very true in the day we live in today, there are many who will invoke the name of Jesus, but they have not realized who exactly Jesus is. This morning, on a Sunday morning, on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week, <clears throat> there are religious services all over this world, and the name of Jesus will be mentioned, but much more like these mentioned him, not quite like the Apostle Paul mentioned him. They saw the results. They saw the special miracles. Don't miss this. And they said, we want to be able to do that. But what they did not realize, if we go way back in the book of Acts, when those apostles said, we cannot but speak of the things we have seen and heard. This was not a profession for the apostle Paul. This was not something he did on Sunday because he had met the Lord Jesus on that road to Damascus. He said, I've got to tell everybody about him. I have seen him. I know who he is. It was a difference in a personal relationship. And then one disinvoking the name of Jesus, trying to get the same result. And again, this morning, let me remind you, you can use the name of Jesus. You can know the name of Jesus. You can even believe that Jesus is really the Son of God. But unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you put everything on Him, on who He is, you cannot be saved. You cannot have a supernatural result without faith in a supernatural God. This was the difference. Paul wrought special miracles by God because he knew God personally, because he was empowered. God did special miracles by him. 
there are some who are in the business of religion and say, we want the same results that Paul gets, and so we'll use the same name Paul uses. We find in our text the result did not go like they thought it would go. Those that were possessed of those evil spirits, that evil spirit spake to them, we have no idea who you are, and ran them out, having overcome them. But I want us to notice several things with the thought this morning. It's more than just a name. There are some who will use the name of Jesus as a slang word, as a curse word. It's blasphemous. It's more than just a name. There are many who will recognize the name, and there are those who have a heart and they're searching for what is truth and searching for God because I believe God put in the heart of every man to worship. Now, what they worship is a choice that they, are, they make, but there are many they will invoke the name of Jesus to try and get a result or to, to satisfy this longing inside of them. But friend, this morning, it is more than just a name. And I want us to look in our text this morning and just be reminded about the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better subject to talk about. I can't think of a better subject to preach about this morning. And so very quickly, with the time we have remaining, we see in verse number 13, these exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, he is more than just a name, but I do want us to focus, first of all, on the name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to think about this for a moment. It is the most exalted name in the universe. In heaven, the name of Jesus is higher than principalities and kingdoms. God in heaven, He doesn't look at kingdoms today. He doesn't look at principalities. He doesn't look at power. Even the Scripture tells us that our enemy, our adversary, He's the prince and the power of this world. But in heaven, the name of Jesus is exalted above every power, every kingdom, every dominion. This is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the most exalted name in the universe. Think about on earth. It is more widely known than any other religious figure. Oh, you can talk of religious figures. You can talk of religious teachers. But I promise you this, the name of Jesus is more widely known than any religious figure. And heaven is more exalted on earth. It's more widely known in the church. Among us this morning, it is the most loved name. There are names that I, that, that, that I love to hear. There are, there are those of you, uh, week after week, I love to see you and call your name out in prayer. I, I, that, that's a privilege that I have. But I promise you, uh, if we had a poll this morning on the most beloved name uh, among us, it would not be the name of the pastor. It would not be the name of your Sunday school teacher. It'd be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all about Him. It is all about our Savior. You didn't get, let's think of you didn't get up this morning and drag yourself into church just to talk about some religious figure, have somebody give you some lecture from a, from a stool on the platform. No, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We came to sing about Him, and we came to hear about Him, and not only is that name exalted in heaven above every, we're, you know, we, 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 we as humans in our flesh, we're impressed by kingdoms. We're impressed 
by principalities, but think about the perspective from heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is a name above all names. And I don't think I have to remind us this morning, but I'm going to do it anyway, that His name is the name above every name. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Christ the Lord. It's, it's a name that is the most exalted in the universe. Think about it. It's the most powerful name. He's the healer of disease. He's the conqueror of Satan. He's the savior over sin. Well, you and I have a sin nature, don't we? We know that we are born into sin. We are told in Scripture, reminded, Romans 5.12 certainly comes to mind, that wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by him. If you and I know that we cannot overcome our sin, you and I know that if we die in our sins, we'll die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. But aren't you thankful that there is one named Jesus who is the Savior from sin and He is the Deliverer from sin? It's the name of the Lord Jesus. See, He's not just a slang word to me. When you use the name of Jesus, I automatically take my mind back to as a child when I knew that I was a sinner. I knew I was on my way to hell and it was because of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had hope. I had an opportunity to depend on Him so that I might be saved. He, that name represents the Savior over sin. He's the conqueror of death. On this side of eternity, death separates us from our loved ones. But friend, let me remind you that because Jesus conquered death, death has no hold on His children. It's just a separation for a little while. Because death has no hold over the child of God and we will enjoy the benefits of eternal life. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That name is that He is the conqueror of death. And think about this. It's the permanent name. His name shall endure forever. The name of the Lord Jesus. But I want us to not only be reminded of the name of the Lord Jesus I want to just also notice in verse number 13. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. I want us to notice second of all the Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Now, this is the right Jesus, the Jesus that Paul preacheth. But I remind you the difference in the result is these men didn't have a personal relationship. These men had their own motives for trying to, to, to manufacture and, and to, to, to pawn religion, if you will. And that was the difference in the power there. But we find they adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Who was this Jesus that Paul preached about. Now, I remind you, they did not have the internet. They did not have uh, cable news. They did not have social media. Uh, but people talked, and words spread about Jesus of Nazareth. And when Jesus was on this earth in his earthly ministry, and he would heal the sick, and he would raise the dead, I promise you, people talked about that. And words spread 
from village to village and city to city. And now word is spread that he had been crucified. But there was a rumor going on out there that, that, that Jesus had been risen from the dead. He had been seen. And now these who had seen him are dispersed, traveling around, telling everybody that Jesus had risen again. He is a risen Savior. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so you shall be saved. This is the Paul. This is the Jesus that Paul was preaching about. Who is this Jesus? He's, I remind you, he is the incarnate Son of God. He was God in the flesh. He was in the flesh, but he was 100% God. I remind you when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus, that, that audible voice of God the Father that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This Jesus, the Jesus whom Paul preaches, was the incarnate Son of God. He, he, was, the, uh, he was flesh, He was God, and it was, it was signified by the resurrection from the dead. No man could resurrect himself. Only God could do that. Well, who was this Jesus that Paul preached? He wasn't just a religious figure. He wasn't just a teacher in the synagogue. He was the God-man. He was the Son of God, the incarnate uh, Son of God. He was the sinner substitute. Why did Jesus come to this earth? And this is where some of the disciples got confused. This is where many of his followers got confused because they thought he was coming first as a king to establish himself and his kingdom on this earth. But that's not why he came the first time. That's why he'll come the second time. The first time he came was to be the sacrifice of sin, to pay the sin debt for all mankind. Who was this Jesus that Paul preached of? Uh, he was the sinner's substitute. And friend, aren't you thankful this morning that the perfect Son of God, I don't understand the love of God, I don't understand the mercy of God, but aren't you thankful this morning that God in the flesh would come and live a sinless life and willingly lay His life down so that He could be your substitute? Because friend, if we did not have that substitute, we'd be on our way to hell this morning with no hope, with no alternative future, and without the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he was willing to be the substitute for sin. This is the Jesus that Paul preached of. This was not some religious teacher, some rabbi. This was the sinner's substitute. We find also that he was the source and he was the the, the one that we believed in. This was the Jesus that Paul preached, the one that was to be believed on. We have to believe that what God had said of him, what God had stated about him, God said, this is his son. His only begotten Son. There are many who believe that Jesus exists today. I give you an example. The Mormons believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Jesus that Paul preached about. 
They believed that he was a son of God. But I remind you, the scripture says that he was the only begotten son of God. But I can name you every religion, every cult, and they believe in a version of Jesus. But it is, you believe on, on another version of Jesus, it'll not get you to heaven. It's got to be the same Jesus that Paul preached about. The one who God said, this is my beloved son. We must trust in his finished work on Calvary. You must believe in the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must believe that Him and only and only Him is enough to get you to heaven. We must believe in that and then we must renounce our own righteousness. There are many people, they get all this way. They, they realize, they say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and, and I believe that uh, he, he paid uh, he had the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but I'm going to believe on Him and on myself as well, on Him and on the church as well. Friend, that's not how it works. You've got you to renounce your own righteousness. You can't get yourself to heaven. You can't, you can't have forgiveness of sin. You can't do nothing about your condition, but it's what you believe on the Lord Jesus. This is the Jesus that Paul preached of. Friend, there's a lot who will talk about Jesus and they'll invoke the name of Jesus. But then they'll have you pray to Mary. That's not the Jesus that Paul preached about. I've already mentioned there are many who will say that Jesus loves you and Jesus certainly does. But friend, knowing that Jesus loves you doesn't keep you out of hell. It's the finished work of Calvary. It's the death, the burial, the resurrection as that sin substitute. We find here that he's more than a name, and the name is magnificent in itself. The name of the Lord Jesus is that exalted name. We find also the Jesus who Paul preacheth, the Son of God, the sin substitute, the, 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 the gospel message found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I also want to draw your attention to verse number 18, after they invoke the name of Jesus, the evil spirit says, I have no idea who you are. Jesus I know, Paul I know, I don't know who you are. And they overcame them. If we find in verse number 17, and this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. We find the name magnified. Well, you think about the name of Jesus and the magnificence of that name. It's magnified as the author of salvation. The church is not the author of salvation. Lord Jesus Christ is the author of salvation. Boy, being a Catholic can't save you. Being a Methodist can't save you. Being a Baptist can't save you. Only trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the author of salvation. Well, aren't you thankful He's the conqueror of the devil? Friend, you and I are no match for our adversary. But oh, all of hell trembles. All Satan himself and all of his demons, they tremble at the name of Jesus. 
That's why, and if I could just put a little side note here, Jesus was enough to save you. Jesus is enough to deliver you. And if you, if you, you depend on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, depend on the Lord Jesus Christ to get through this life and to stay close to the Lord and to serve Him. Say, well, I can't overcome. Oh, are you saved? And, and you know what my, my Bible tells me? <clears throat> that, that He is overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I'm saved and there's nothing the devil can do about it. I'm his child, and there's nothing he can do about it. He can, he can pout about it. He cannot like it. He knows it. <clears throat> Matter of fact, he knows it more many times than we even realize it and understand it. He knows that once you're in the Father's hand, there's no getting out of the Father's hand. Once you were saved and secure, he knows that it'll never change. For wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if Christians started acting like they were saved and just believed every day and no matter what came their way, well, at least I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. You can't show me that in, from the Bible. But I'll tell you this, there's a lot of Christians who act like they've lost their salvation and they want to continue to live like an unsaved man. They want to act like they have no hope and they have no power. Well, he can save me, but I just can't. Oh, you can be delivered from anything because of the Son of God. He is the overcomer. Aren't you glad he delivers, and that leads me to this, delivers us out of captivity to sin? Before you and I were saved, you're saved this morning, your sin is going to drag you to the pits of hell. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're depending on a religion or you're depending on, on Jesus plus yourself, let me tell you something, you are captive to your sin. It doesn't matter how good you try and be. It doesn't matter how many religious services you attend. There is nothing you have the power to change that. You are captive to your sin, and it will, your sin will drag you to the pits of hell if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are saved this morning? You know who delivers you from your captivity? Wasn't this pastor? Wasn't the Pope? Wasn't your religious grandmother? It was the Lord Jesus Christ that delivered you. If you're here this morning and you're lost in your sins, there's only one who can deliver you, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not a religious man on this earth that can deliver you from that captivity. But might I say this this morning to, to us who are saved? If He delivered you from the captivity of your sin, why don't we live like it? I'm not, I'm not teaching this morning because it's not scriptural that once you're saved, you no longer have a sin nature. You and I both know that we still have a sin nature. But our Bible also teaches us that I am a new creature. Old things are passed away. You and I ought to live like a saved individual. We ought to live like there's something different. You say, well, I just can't. No, you can. You have been delivered for all eternity from the captivity of your sin. Don't live like a saved man today, a lost man today. Let's live like a saved man today. Let's live like we have been saved. I'm saying, so many scriptures, well, I just, I'm just bound. Why? Let me help you this morning. Let me tell you why. Because you want to be. The reason why Christians can't get over their sin is they like it. 
They like it. He can save me from hell. You're saved. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have that third member of the Trinity living inside of you. If God is, if He is, if He is, if that Holy Spirit is powerful enough to seal you unto the day of redemption, don't you think the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you think God is enough to only deliver you from some sinful action, but deliver you through your valley, deliver you through the darkest days of your life, deliver you from that thing that has you in captivity? Say, well, what do I want to do? Turn to the Lord. Turn to Him. Uh, uh, go, go to Him. Uh, the problem is we don't ever get to Him. We stop at all of these things along the way and say, I'll try this and see if it helps me. I'll try this and see if this helps me. I'll try this and see if it gets me through. Friend, uh, go to the one who saves you. Go to the one who delivered you. He is the deliverer. Boy, he ought to be the name of Christ is magnified. See, you don't realize if you would get victory over that which is in your life, it will magnify the name of Jesus in this world. You know it's true. We preached about from this same chapter several weeks ago. Turning everything upside down. People look and say, what happened to that guy? Well, he got saved. Why don't you want to go out anymore on Friday night? I got saved. Well, how did you get through that? How did you get delivered from that? The only explanation I have is I trusted Christ and there was a change that took place. You know what's going to happen in the minds of people? It's not you that's magnified. It's not a religion that's magnified. But look what Jesus did in their life. Look what Jesus helped them overcome. And if you get victory over that which you're struggling with in your life, it would magnify the name of Jesus in this world. His name is magnified when we are delivered. His name is magnified when, we, when he rules our hearts. The average Christian, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say average, but many Christians, Christ does not rule their heart. Now, I don't believe that you get this backwards. Well, I'll make Christ the ruler of my heart and then comes salvation. I don't believe that at all. I believe you make a decision of salvation to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, because we do have the blood of Christ, we do have the Holy Spirit, we can truly make Christ the ruler of our heart. What does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? Would this, let me simplify it for you. Do my actions today, do they honor God? Is my life being lived to please God? The fact that you're in church this morning might have some people that know you scratching their head. How in the world did they get him in the church? And how did that building not fall down when they came in there? There's only one explanation for that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you and I would live our life to please God. See, Christian, don't live to please this world. Don't live to please another man. I don't want you living to please your pastor. 
I don't want you living to please some other person, some other person that you have, uh, Christian, that you have respect for. Live to please your God. Live to please the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if he's the ruler of my heart every day, I, when I wake up, I start my day, I think of him. Lord, what, what would you have me do today? And all throughout the day, when decisions come my way, the thought goes to my mind, would this please my Savior? Because see, what's going to happen? You get saved and you made the mistake of telling people about that. Now, the people you work with, the people you live close to, your own family looking at you saying, I wonder if there's going to be anything different about him. And oh, when God begins to change you from the inside out, it magnifies the name of Jesus. Lastly, and I'm about out of time, we find in verse number 18, we find the confession of his name. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. See, the confession of his name, that name is magnified. The confession of it when it's openly and widely preached. Oh, we got to tell people about Christ. I preached a couple of Sunday mornings ago on the testimony of Paul and how your testimony is such a powerful tool. So many you say, well, I, know, I have loved ones, I have people, I'd love for them to know how to be saved, but I don't know how to take them to the Bible. Just tell them what happened to you. Tell them what you did. Tell them what you know. Just tell, share your testimony. And when Christians openly and courageously preach Christ, that name is magnified. There is confession of His name. Say, well, what is it about you? I'm a child of God. I have been changed. I have been turned from darkness to light. Well, it is name is confessed and magnified when it's firmly believed in, when it's seen to be powerful, changing men's hearts and leading them to a life of faith. The greatest sermon you could ever preach is for your heart change to be on full display. To now live a life of faith. Pastor, can you explain to me how this and this is going to take place? I, I know, but I believe what the Bible says. Some of you could testify to this. People you know and love, they may look at you and say, I don't know why you put so much trust in that book. I don't know why you, you put so much faith in that book. A friend, his name is magnified. It's a confession of his name. I believe Jesus. Weren't you glad you're saved this morning? It's Jesus. See, friend, there is a difference in invoking His name and knowing Him personally. Oh, you can't be saved just by knowing His name. You've got to trust Christ as your personal Savior. And friend, if you're saved this morning, it's because there's a God that loves you with a love that is so deep, a love that has the breath that you and I could never understand in our humanity, enough to send His only begotten 
son. Aren't you glad as Jesus prayed in that garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine. He went to that cross of Calvary. He laid down his life. They didn't take his life from him. Oh, those Roman soldiers, they did not kill the Son of God. He gave up the ghost. No man could take the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. While he was on that cross, he had your sins that he was bearing. And you know that for three days and three nights, oh, he conquered death and hell. And on that third day, he rose victorious. And that's why you and I can rejoice in our salvation today. It wasn't some religious figure. It wasn't some church. It was only the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're not saved today, trust him. You may say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Oh, I know. Uh, you look around. You see how nice everybody's dressed up. That's not the way they came in here the first time. But you know what? Salvation makes a change that only salvation can make. Friend, if you're saved this morning, why don't we just rejoice in who Jesus is? Say, well, we Christians, we, we just don't ever seem to get, get ahead. Oh, we're, we're, we're so far ahead that we got a mansion being constructed for us while we meet down here. Heaven is busy building our eternal home. We can't get any further ahead than an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. We already have victory. What's the worst that can happen to you and I? We could die. That'd be so horrible, wouldn't it? To have an eternal life, a new body. And from looking around the room this morning, let me say that again, a new body with, with no frailties, no sin, no limitations, no pain, no sickness, no, no heartache. That's the worst that can happen to a child of God. Friend, we have the victory because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's live like we're on the winning side. From time to time, the valley will come. From time to time, the burden will get heavy. So, Pastor, how, how am I going to get through it? Well, if Jesus is enough to deliver you from hell, He's enough to get you through that dark valley. He's enough to help you carry that burden. We're on the winning side. We have victory in Jesus. Let's live like it. There are some, we got to thank people in this world, when they look at your life, do they see anything different in you? I'm afraid that one day we're going to stand before God and we don't even realize. We're not even aware of those that watch us. They say, they're a Christian. They never look happy. They're a Christian. But they, 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 there's no difference in the way. <clears throat> they're a Christian. They're the same place as I'm at on Friday night. They're a Christian. They use the same language I use. They're a Christian. They're just as discouraged as I am. Why in the world would I want what they have? Friend, this world's got to see some Christians who are saved and happy about it. 
we got to see some Christians who actually believe that there is victory, believe that He is enough to sustain us. Friend, I found myself just like you, and many times I don't know what the day is going to bring. I'm not even sure it, what, what, how I'm going to deal with tomorrow, but I know this. When the sun goes down, Jesus is still, uh, He is still on the right hand of the Father. I am still saved. And when that sun comes up in the morning, Jesus is still on the throne, and He is still enough, and I'm still saved, and my sins are still forgiven. Why don't we show this world this week that Jesus is enough, not only for salvation, but to live victoriously? Well, I think I'm just going to quit. Why would you quit after what Jesus has done for you? Oh, this holy living, I just, there's too many prices to pay. Oh, well, at least you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. Uh, you, you doing without something that appealed to your flesh is the very least you could do. It's your, as the book of Romans says, it's your reasonable service. There's nothing that God asks of you and me that's unreasonable. Nothing. Friend, let's live victorious today. Father, I pray.